die a hero, or you live long enough to see yourself become glorious. No, I won't give in. I won't give in till I'm victorious. And I will defend. I will defend. That's not true. That's impossible. Search your feelings. You know it to be true. What are you doing? Getting a life. Hello everyone and welcome to the 1UP Culture Cast, your source of knowledge for levelling up in the world of popular culture. My name is Trent and with me is my co-host Jareth. Hey guys, so today we are previewing the upcoming movie based within the Harry Potter Wizarding World, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, which will be released in the UK, the US and Australia on November 17th. So if you live anywhere else, look it up yourself. You lazy bums. Seriously, you're going to insult our audience again? Like, straight off the bat this week. Gotta start off with tradition. They know what to expect from us now. We're in 10 episodes now, are we not? We are. Double figures. Woohoo! Yeah, go us. Celebrate. All right. Fast approaching on the Firefly number there. Oh, we are. We yeah. are. Soon we will overtake Firefly and get... In canceled. quantity, not quality. Quality. Come on now. What franchise are we talking about today? We are talking about Harry Potter and I'm super excited because I consider myself... Quite a fanboy yes. of this. Uh, On the scale of fanboyism, you are in the upper echelon. Echelon, yes, echelon. I am. <laughs> I have read all the books many times, watched all the movies many times, and uh, all of the extra content in the extended universe, which is Ooh. exactly what we're talking about. Nice today. segue. Thank you. I thought you would enjoy that. <laughs> yes, I do. I do enjoy a good segue, both yeah. the uh, actual and the metaphorical. I, I knew that you were going to go to the the scootery things. The scootery okay, so things. The scootery things, yes. Shut up. So we... Don't shut up, actually. I need you for the next... Oh, you do actually hour. want me to do the podcast here. Yeah, yeah. I actually do you want You tell me to shut up when this is an audio platform. So this week's podcast is just going to be us arguing amongst ourselves whether or not to do a podcast, but I don't want that to happen because I really want to do this podcast this week. Because this is a Jareth topic. It is a Jareth topic. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like we've gone back to the Harley Quinn Jareth topicness. So... Uh, Where it all began. We have. So, uh, did you want to give us a general uh, rundown of this one before I get into fanboy levels of squealing? No, but I will anyways. Uh, <laughs> this is the ninth film in the Harry Potter series. Uh, it's breaking away from Harry Potter, more or less. It's going into a prequel territory. And it's actually based off a book that was released in 2001 by the same name. It's uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Also released around the same time is a book called Quidditch Through the Ages. I was actually lucky enough, uh, as I was saying before, I was into the kind of the extended universe. Well. I was lucky enough to have both of these books uh, when they were released in 2001, which uh, ironically was also the year that the movie was released. So uh, these were released as kind of a, a go along with the movie and then nowhere near the length of the rest of the Harry Potter books. So they're, they're kind of more of a, a novelty thing. They're a small, um, maybe 100 page to each, probably a little bit less than that. I remember them being quite thin. This is going to test my memory. I'm pretty sure the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them was orange and Quitch Through the Ages was a green book. I can actually clarify on that because when I was doing a bit of research for this, the, the covers sort of popped up yeah. and you are correct. Yes. yes. Awesome. Uh, I did have them, so it's a bit of cheating there. Uh, and well, the other cheating things... when you're trying to use your memory. Yeah, like you don't true. have them here pretending to try and remember. That's true. I'm not, yeah. Anyway. Uh, the, and the other interesting thing was like, they share a name. Mm-hmm. That's it. Uh, so this movie, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, is actually named after a book within the Harry Potter series. Uh, it is a school book for care of magical creatures at Hogwarts, and it is written by a man called Newt Scamander. Now that name is very important, 
because that's who this movie that we are previewing today is all about. It's about his journey and, and a story from, from his past. As Trent said, this is a prequel. So this is occurring well before all of the events of the Harry Potter universe that we know and love or know. Or maybe don't know. Or yeah, maybe don't know. Because that's the good thing about this movie, really. You don't have to have ever read or seen the Harry Potter movies, and you can still technically come and watch it. And also, theoretically, it's not going to spoil anything from the main series. No, I mean, from from what we've seen from the, the trailers, I mean, there aren't a lot of uh, heavy reliances on knowledge of the Harry Potter series. They, they kind of drop the word muggle, uh, but within this movie, we've been told that they actually have another name, uh, no majors. The in, American English in America, version. Which is, uh, con- yeah, which is where this, this is set, although we have an English character. Uh, and so, yeah, this book is... Sorry, this movie is... This is going to get very confusing. Is based off the story of the man who, within the Harry Potter series, wrote the books before Harry Potter went to Hogwarts. Yeah. So Called Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, which is the name of this movie. So Did don't try and read the Fantastic Beasts book to spoil the movie for yourself, because it's not going to work. Yeah, you're going to have to wait and watch the movie like all of us. It is um, pretty interesting. But this does lead us up to another point, which is uh, how has a movie been made of a book that isn't the story of this movie? Uh, and, it, and it's a very interesting point because all of the other movies that we've had in the Harry Potter universe have been based off a book that J.K. Rowling has written. Wait, wait, there's Harry Potter books? Yeah, I know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to blow your mind. And there's even a little bit more in them than there is in the movies. No. Uh, you, and... You're telling me they cut stuff out? Yeah. Oh, good thing fans won't complain about that. No, they never would. Fans always love when things get cut out, especially when they're not important. Thing. I'm have examples in mind not going to start rage wars on uh, on the interwebs so we, we kind of want you to though i know you do this is uh completely different in the sense that it is not a story that jk rowling has written and released as a book turned into a movie this screenplay has actually been written by jk rowling so and it's a screenwriting debut it is her debut and i'm very interested to see how this works out yeah um, I, I mean not it's not sure. just her she has sort of fellow screenwriters so theoretically they're going to perhaps keep her in line um but yeah i mean it's quite a big deal that someone who's written the original material sort of continuing on and having such a high influence on it this is almost and i, I know by saying this it could sort of put us in danger territory kind of like george lucas like he kept going with the, the prequel yeah no okay uh, and, and i mean we have the same kind of uh threat same kind of possibility here with the harry potter series uh and going changing this extended universe up you know it, people could hate this movie and really dislike you know what what jk rowling has done has done i don't see it happening yeah. i'm pretty sure but also i guess the good thing here is even if people don't like fantastic beasts and where to find them and i, I agree like i feel like it should be received fairly well um because it doesn't naturally tie in with the main characters if you want to ignore this it it's fine like As it's not going to affect the sort of viewing experience of the originals this could be a standalone film yeah right? and and do quite well it's basically like rogue one when that comes out like if that's crap you can easily ignore it and it's not going to affect the mainline canon that you view yeah is this a star wars episode or harry potter episode i know i I have been trying to lead us back to fantastic beasts i keep saying it and you keep bringing it back to star wars everything comes back to star wars it doesn't though that was a long time ago in a galaxy far far away we don't need to worry about you're a jedi harry that's it he's doing this podcast by himself i'm done now, now that he's out of the way, we can actually talk about Harry Potter. What? No, I'm, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. No, you From cannot talk space. about Harry Potter without me, man. You, can't, <laughs> you cannot do it. Uh, so this, yeah, it kind of leads me into my question I was about to ask. Uh, ask away. Yeah. 
J.K. Rowling as a screenwriter. Mm. Are you excited? Well, I mean, obviously the talents, you know, the talent it takes to write a screenplay as opposed to writing a novel is different. Um, so you can't necessarily say, oh, you should make it fine screenwriter. But I feel like she will because there are certain elements of uh, sort of novel writing which will translate fairly well here, and that's notably the dialogue. And I feel like that's something she's always done pretty well in the Harry Potter series is the dialogue's always fun, it's relatable, and it's realistic. Like, you read what they're saying, it's like, yeah, I believe that this character would say that. And I feel like that's going to translate well here along with the sort of backing of the other screenwriters to perhaps keep her online with some of the more technical side of things. So I am excited uh, because if this goes well and she's a good screenwriter, theoretically, it seems like she wants to keep writing in the Harry Potter universe and this is kind of her avenue to do so. Well, that, that's actually kind of an interesting point as well because you were saying this is uh, it's a standalone film, but it is the beginning of what has been uh, kind of scheduled for a five-movie yeah, it's a, it's a five movie series with this Fantastic Beast, which I didn't realise until like literally yesterday. I was talking to a friend about it, and um, yeah, she just kind of offhandedly mentioned I oh, as the first of five, and I was just like, what? And like I'd heard Johnny Depp was rumoured to be uh, in the sequel, but it didn't really click that that means there's going to be more than one Fantastic Beast movie. So this has gone from me thinking, oh yeah, it's just a little kind of offshoot, it should be a bit of fun to, oh, this is a whole franchise and sort of near double trilogy in of itself. Um, yeah. I don't know what to think it'll be interesting because they do have a lot more freedom in what they can do with it compared to the Harry Potter series but at the same time this could go from cool interesting idea to them milking it for all it's worth which I guess is what I would be concerned about as a moderate fan of Harry Potter yeah no I was kind of worried they were going to milk it uh, and it could go the other way you know this could be the beginning of a fantastic series fantastic beasts fantastic movies and where to find them but uh and in the fact that we don't have any base material, uh, so people are honestly going to be going to these Harry Potter films and not knowing what's going to happen. Which is which unusual. We had, yeah, in every other every other movie, you know what's going to happen. And in a lot of those cases, you know what's going to happen, you know, three years from now within this series. Ha- having read, you know, the books uh, three a uh, couple years ahead of where the movies were for a point there, and then the movies overtook them. Mm. They do that because movies are quick and it takes a long time to write like a 500-page book. Yeah, yeah. And, and People don't realise how tough that is. And to cut down to a 500-page book because, you know, you, you could... I don't think, I don't feel like she dragged those books out and especially see that when we get longer, uh, further on in the series, they, they got bigger and bigger until they, they got to Order of the Phoenix. Which was started, a monster. Started going. Like, yes, teenage me kind of got scared off a bit by that, actually. I looked at them like, oh, this is like an adult book. Yeah, actually, that's somewhere we're unlucky. Uh, that was the one book within the Harry Potter series I have two copies of, uh, just through luck. Some uh, I think my grandparents gave me a copy as well as my mum in the same year. And I found out that there was actually a misprinting of the books, uh, and I have one of them that is now worth quite a lot. Cha-ching! Exactly. So I have a book that I found out was the misprinting that I've never touched in mint condition sitting at my mum's house. Probably going to be worth a fair bit. Cha-ching. Yeah, cha-ching. And it's, uh, it, the misspelling is literally in the page numbers. They yeah. uh, repeat a couple, uh, I think it's like 153 or something. It's like 152, 153, 153, 156. You know, like they skip a page and repeat one. Uh, so, yeah, that'll be interesting to find out if, I, if I've made some money and can quit this and leave. Yeah, because this is bringing in the dollars. Yeah, I'm bringing in all the money. This is all I do. This is like my career now. No, not you? No, no, well, I've got other prospects. (laughs) Uh, 
<laughs> I don't. That's the funny thing. Um, just, I, I guess, coming back to what we were talking about there a bit, how you know, Fantastic Beasts is uh, based off a non-fiction book that we actually have here, which is meant to be a non-fiction book in the Harry Potter universe. I'm actually surprised we don't see that from more franchises, how we sort of get a book that is actually a book in their universe. Well, I know what you um, mean. I mean, it makes perfect sense in the Harry Potter you know, series mm. that uh, you know they have all of these school books and they have characters like Newt Scamander isn't a new character although we are getting a new movie about him about his life through the books we do get some of uh, some of Newt Scamander's history and uh, some of his I think we actually find out his bloodline uh, and so those who are who are interested like I said I'm a mega fan of the extended universe Luna Lovegood actually ends up marrying into the Scamander name Oh, serious? Yeah, la- uh, later on, uh, she now this is the problem, I cannot remember his name, but he's like the grandson of Newt Scamander, mm-hmm. which means after the series, Luna Lovegood actually becomes Luna Scamander, which is kind of interesting and something that we see through the through the movies as well as the books, that she was always very interested in care of magical creatures. Uh, so, I mean, the Thestrals, you know, she was never afraid of them, um, which you probably should be because you can only see them when you've seen death and they look like some black skeleton horses. But... She just has care and love for them, as well as you know, Hippogriff and whatnot. She's down with the animals, so it, it, it's kind of a nice little tie-in that they yeah joined her into the Scamander family. Through You're going to be dropping now. all sorts of fun little facts today, aren't you? I shall be dropping many a fun fact. Yeah. Um, is there any sort of... I guess I'm putting you on the spot here with this question. Any other franchises you can think of that should maybe employ this kind of concept of... Because to me, hardcore fans would be all over this, these kind of books. And obviously, like, the Quidditch of the Ages, Fantastic Beasts did well enough to sort of justify being released. What other franchises would you kind of like to see this kind of employed? You really have put me on the spot. This is, like, the first time I can't think of something straight off the top of my head. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I wish this happened in more series, mm. but... Uh, well, because, I, I mean, I, the other series I think of that I've seen it, I guess, prominently, is actually the How I Met Your Mother television series. We've got a couple of books released That's by Barney like Stinson, The Bro Code, the bro code and uh, The Playbook, but, which yeah. you, you know, I saw sort of in uh, bookstores a couple of times. I'm kind of like, wait, what? Oh, cool. And yeah, it's sort of, again, it's presented as if it is written by Barney Stinson. It's presented as the book that was kind of in their universe, so to speak, although it was really just his book. But uh, yeah, I kind of feel like there should be other franchises. Like Star Wars would be easily able to do something well, like this. Well, that was this. the first thing, I mean, because we were talking about it earlier in the podcast, mm. was the first thing I thought of, like Star Wars. Is there any kind of books or anything? And I was struggling to think of what you would do. There's not necessarily ones which are like explicitly an instruction mentioned. instruction guide or orientation guide to the Death Star for yeah. the new Stormtroopers or... That would sell. Something like that would be would, would work. I mean, obviously it makes more sense in a Harry Potter universe because you're dealing with school textbooks, which, you know, have a sort of necessary element within the sort of universe, whereas some of these Star Wars kind of books you'd just be kind of releasing because, hey, this is a book. And that's something else I was thinking with this Harry Potter series, that this isn't the only book they can do this. Mm. Uh, so we've got many... Like, Quidditch Through the Ages, you can't really do you could definitely do a movie based upon quidditch and call it quidditch through the ages and we'd actually get quidditch unlike in goblet of fire where they took away the whole world cup yeah that was that was one of the things i fans really stuck up up in arms about because that was brilliant and, and up to that point we'd heard a bit about quidditch but we hadn't seen it to that extent and how it was the world cup of quidditch and, and, and they teased massive. us because they showed us sort of the the starting lineup and what kind of the venue looked like and it was good look oh i remember this in the books and even me as sort of a moderate fan was kind of like, this is going to be wicked and cut away and i get why it doesn't really affect the story that much but as someone who enjoyed the concept of quidditch in the book it was disappointing and it was also i i really enjoyed uh, the 
the Omnioculus during that scene uh, in the the Waddy Waddis book. The Omnioculus. Uh, yeah, I know what I'm talking. I know how to say stuff, uh, which they skipped over in the movie, yeah. which I, I wasn't happy about. But yeah, so they definitely could do a Quidditch-based movie. But we've got a lot of uh, a lot of these characters within the Harry Potter authors, um, and we have Gilderoy Lockhart, who we see in the second book, who's done quite a lot of adventure books. But I mean, there's also Bethilda Bagshot, who had the the history of magic, uh, and we do see her in the movies as well, uh, only as an as an older lady in Godric's Hollow. Uh, but I, I think that that would be a really good one because it is. She did a lot of traveling. We find out through the um, in, in the books, uh, and was probably one of the most travelled of uh, of witches. And uh, yeah, she does history of magic. I think there's things that they could do about her journeys. Uh, and Kilda Lockhart could be kind of a, a fun character to have. That kind of a, a Mal Reynolds kind of character, wherein you know he's he is quite deceivious. He, he you know cursing people and, and making them lose their minds but he could be so fun he could be a really funny character to have him bumbling through and somehow achieving and and possibly having him you know halfway through this movie out of his element you know he's up against something really dangerous that Gilderoy is unprepared for because he's not the greatest of wizards I think that could kind of be an interesting movie where you're literally going along with this wizard that's not that proficient but is pretending to be mm. uh, and him overcoming a some kind of hurdle could make for a good movie I don't like him as a character, though. But do you think it could work in but kind of But I think in the context of, of changing a Harry Potter book to author, to a, to a movie, I think he would work well as well as Bethilda Bagshot. Yeah. Off the top of my head, I thought, thought of a couple then. Well, that's pretty impressive considering, yeah, I mean, when was the last time you read the books? Uh, a long time ago. Yeah, so clearly the info is kind of stuck in your mind pretty pretty, pretty yeah, strongly and there. And I've, I've read them a lot, so yeah. that, that's it. But that, that's my problem. The reason I haven't read the books for a long time is because I moved out of my mum's house, and that's where they are. Mm. Uh, so I, I just haven't had access to them. I have taken them out at the, the library since moving out of home once, and I got through like my first two books and was like, I can't be bothered doing this. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's been ages. Yeah, but you're still, you know, dropping names that, like, I, I recognise a couple of them, but, like, yeah, as someone who's a moderate fan, I can't say I recognise them as strongly, especially to sort of list off what they're sort of known for. Um, yeah, I'm kind of surprised I was able to do that as well. Actually, I was just thinking that, but... Self high five. Yeah. Everyone heard that on the podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> So, I, I guess, you know, going in, it's it's very much apparent that you are the Harry Potter mega fan out of the two of us um what are your expectations for this movie then uh see that this is the thing i have been watching this trailer and for those that we, we haven't actually gotten into what happened in the trailer so we'll do a, a kind of a brief overview as we talk here of things that are happening instead of going over exactly what happens in the trailer mm. which would be really boring for you to yeah. listen just watch the two and a half minute trailer yeah it's not it's not even that long but uh so we've got newt's commander and he's going to america that's kind of the, the point of this that uh you know he's got a bunch of Foreign animals, so they're from Europe, European magical you know, beasts. Australian beasts. customs are freaking out over this movie, by the way. Oh, yeah, you just yeah. know they're going to be like, oh, all these British people are going to be bringing in all these animals we can't control, cane toads and camels all over again. Yeah, uh, and and that's the, you know, the premise of this story, that he is in an unfamiliar uh, area, as are all of these monsters, and they get loose. Well, sorry, creatures, they're not monsters. All of, uh, they always get, they, they get let loose uh, across the continent of america which leads to one of my favorite lines within the trailer because i think it, it really shows uh, newt scamander's mindset and and his love of animals he, he's, he's keeping them as a forefront as an equal to 
all magical beings, uh, which I kind of like. I'm sure Peter are going to love uh, Peter as in the organization, not as in a person. Uh, I was actually trying to work out who Peter was. <laughs> Peter Pettigrew, if we're going to stick with yeah, him. Yeah. He's not born yet. We can't have him in this. So Stop uh, crossing the streams. I'm just going to... I'm just going to play this, and uh, and, I, and I think it's going to be pretty apparent why this shows his personality. We're going to recapture my creatures before they get hurt. They're currently in alien terrain, surrounded by millions of the most vicious creatures on the planet. Humans. So yeah, that shows pretty much how he thinks of animals as being equals, as, as being surrounded by the most dangerous creatures on the planet, which are... No mages, which is another term we get told. Uh, so muggles in in Europe, in, in Europe, in England, where we are, as fans, used to the the terminology because all that we know at the moment is, you know, wizards in uh, in England, and that's what excites me about this movie that it's based in America. We get to see how America. how Americans, <laughs> how American wizards do things, uh, and and we've already been told that there are some pretty major differences, you know. Uh, and we, we kind of see their ministry of magic, uh, in, in a sense, you know, their governing wizarding body. And, uh, I, yeah, I'm really interested to see what she does. Because uh, the other thing that I really enjoyed about you know, these books and Quidditch Through the Ages was that they not only told you all of these uh, European teams, and, and it is very much based, uh, Quidditch, in the, in the world of Harry Potter, it's very much based upon soccer, I feel. Uh, you know, you've got your World Cup and your main teams are across Europe. It's a very European-based sport that's spread across everywhere else. But as an Australian, I really enjoyed the fact that there were Australian teams and there were American Quidditch teams, and they kind of went to Quidditch around the world. There's a whole chapter at the end of the book called Around the World. Can you remember any of the Aussie Quidditch teams? No, because there were two. Ah. We were literally only given two, and one of them was like the Wollongong. Like, there was super Australian names. In the, it was I, I was wondering how stereotypical, like, you know, the animals or whatnot. Yeah, yeah, and, um, and I... I there's a few things. I remember I picked a Quidditch team that I would go for in this, and um, that was because all of their, their fans were... Uh, they, they were black and yellow. They're the Wasps, um, and all of their fans are the Stings and Trans Dancing right now. Black and yellow, black and yellow, black and yellow. <sighs> we, we are there. We, we, sorry, it just came back from that. How did you off. get from, like... Because they're Quidditch, and they're flying up and down and bees. No, and... but me going from, like, rap to K-pop there... Why are you complaining about K-pop into? The I'm podcast? not complaining. I'm just confused, which yeah, is a lot of people's reactions when K-pop gets brought up. Actually, yeah. uh, you probably shouldn't be confused on this podcast because you should know that we do. But yeah, we literally did an episode on K-pop. Mm, we really should do an episode, and probably an episode wherein you introduce me to a heap of K-pop because it's really your. We did this, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, including the song you were singing. So Colin Farrell's in this. Yeah, actually, that really surprised me. Like, uh, you know, a lot of these actors and actresses in this movie, like, I'd I mean, just like to point out that segue worked so well. <laughs> now, now you've ruined it because we've stopped. Um, but yeah, like, a lot of the actors and actresses in this one, I didn't really recognize. Like, I recognize the name Eddie Redmayne, but like, if you'd said, "Oh, what movies are in," I wouldn't have been able to answer you. So when I saw Colin Farrell, I was kind of like, "Oh, there's kind of like an actor I recognize just instantly." That's kind of like my sticking point for introducing myself into this world, I guess. Um, yeah, I like his look he's mm. kind of got uh, it's a very modern cut I think modern haircut which is interesting as this is a prequel uh, which is the other thing we do get to see a lot of uh, kind of 50s cars it is very apparent that this is you know a long time ago instead of the current Harry Potter series which is 
set in the present, mm. uh, supposed to be. And uh, yeah, I was very interested to see because he's Irish, you know, and then this is in America. So like, why is he there and why is he chasing man? And I've realized that, yeah, he seems to be chasing uh, Newt's commander from England, you know, for something. Uh, and, you know, Newt's commander's in America trying to get all of his animals and they're all surrounded by the most dangerous creatures in the planet, as he has put it. Humans. Exactly. So... I, yeah, I, I'm guessing that's why he's there and, and we see him using magic and you're tearing things up and, and I'm feeling like he's going to be the bad guy wherein it's going to be interesting because I feel like he's like a government. He's kind of chasing Newt's commander for the right reasons, you know, law and order, but he seems to be going about it in the wrong way. You know, he's tearing up streets and, and he seems quite ruthless and, and angry, you know, a little bit, you know, some of his... His spells he's throwing, he's throwing quite violently uh, and, and it seems like there's almost something personal like between him and you. Uh, so I'm, yeah, very interested and the comic relief we've got in this one, you know, we, we do get to see that he has a, uh, a little offsider who I've seen in so many things and I was saying I kind of class him as a B-plus actor because I've seen him in a lot of things. I think he's quite a good actor but I, before this podcast, did not remember his name. Um, it was Dan Fogels? Daniel Bryan. Sorry? Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan, is it? Yeah. yeah. B-plus player. Yes. Yeah. yes. But you're actually right, it is Dan For those Fogel. who don't get it, he's saying that because I said he was a B-plus superstar or actor. Player, yeah. Player. But anyway. Um, wrestling reference. Wrestling every week. So, yeah, I've seen him in a few things and, and I don't mind him, but I couldn't, if you showed me his face, apart from like right now when I had just looked it up, I couldn't have told you his name, which I think is kind of a... Shame, um, and it's also people like Steve Buscemi is another one who I've seen in many things. I think he's quite fantastic. I mean, I do remember his name now, but uh, he was one, he was another one like that that I'd seen him in a few things and always as a supporting character. And, and I, I can't see him as a as a leading role, but I have no doubt he could. That's kind of the interesting thing with, with him. But uh, yeah, he's the he seems to be the comic relief in this one. Yeah, well, from what we've seen in the trailers, I mean, obviously, like I can't remember a lot that Dan Fogler's done myself, but just seeing these trailers, I feel like he's going to play that role really well. Like, obviously, trailers are cutting away; they can be a bit deceptive. But he looks like he's nailing the, the timing and the lines and everything. So I'm really actually quite hopeful in that respect. What, what we're going to get from him. I know Eddie Redmayne's quite a good actor. Colin Firth, I think, is a really good actor, and I do like that he's kind of going to be playing this slightly darker, antagonistic Colin role. Colin Farrell before. Hmm? Colin Farrell. Uh, yeah, it is, sorry. Colin Firth, isn't he like a British uh, yeah, rom-com like actor? Yeah, he was like and all of those. Yeah, but yeah Colin Farrell, uh, I think he's quite a good actor, and he does well. I think he's going to do really well in this slightly darker, antagonistic role. A lot yeah. of stuff I see him, he's kind of the good guy. Um, but you can tell he's kind of got that dark streak, which should work well here. Yeah, no, I'm, I really do like Colin, Colin Farrell. I've seen a lot of things. I, recently, I just watched Seven Psychopaths. I'm not sure oh, if you've seen that. Yeah, I like yeah, that movie. I would suggest watching that one. It is literally a movie about a guy writing the movie that he's in. Mm. Uh, it's also R-rated for a reason, so just be aware of that. Some people you know, don't like heavy sort of language. Yeah. This one has heavy language. It does feel like, you know, I think we were talking about this when 
Force Awakens first came out, and sorry, we're going back to Star Wars, but this is actually making a point. Um, when that came out, there was a lot of cameo appearances in there. I was like, oh yeah, everyone kind of wants to be a part of the Star Wars universe. I could see a lot of people doing the same with Harry Potter. And you know, it's one of those franchises that is going to be beloved, is beloved, it's going to be beloved for quite a while, and people kind of want to be able to say, yeah, I was a part of that. So it wouldn't surprise me if we get a few sort of high name actors sort of going, uh, can I just have like a, a just a small scene here or there and be a part of it all? Well, yeah, it's interesting you say that because. Uh, as we as we were mentioning earlier, there are a lot of sequels coming up, and one of the names that's been thrown around as someone who's interested was uh, was Johnny Depp. You were saying uh, I only just found out about this, mm. but that was something that doesn't surprise me that he would want that. Yeah, people would want to be a part of this this franchise, but uh, it interests me for sure. Yeah, no, he's he's going to be in the sequel, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, which I think, yeah, I can see Johnny Depp as a wizard. Yeah, for sure, he yeah. is a wizard. Let's be honest. Come on now. Uh, and, and speaking of being a wizard and uh, moving a little bit back to our comic relief, Dan Fogles, uh, he has a line which I love and I think kind of represents everyone that has watched these films at some point in their life. Uh, I'm just going to play it. I'm not going to say it. I want to be a wizard. And I think we've all felt like that. You know, I want to be a wizard. You know, this looks like heaps of fun. You know, I think it kind of uh, means that he is our... As an audience, we get to see through his life. You know, which makes sense because he's not magical. He's a nomad, yeah, he's, he's as a they say over there. Uh, which is kind of another interesting thing that we haven't had one of these films with a major character that isn't a wizard. Mm. I mean, this whole film franchise is about wizards. It was about all about sort of world. becoming a wizard with yeah, the Harry it was. Potter. Uh, and, and so that's another interesting thing that in this one, our main character isn't grasping anything. You know, Harry Potter, he was going through puberty, he was fighting people that were at this one we have a fully formed magician you know fully formed wizard and uh so it'll be interesting to see yeah how they give him tasks to overcome because it's not going to be through inexperience i mean he's quite a good wizard as well quite a well uh, respected you know he writes a book at some point which we we were kind of asking ourselves are we going to see that you know is he writing the book throughout this movie is he gonna start writing the book at the end of the movie post-credit scene uh, and I think yeah, that, that could be interesting because either would work. You know, literally, if they had him throughout this entire movie, you know, making notes, if that was the whole reason he was going to America, because it makes sense that you know he's writing a book about fantastic beasts from all around the world, which was another thing in the book, in the real world that we got in two thousand and one, it had fantastic beasts from all over the planet, not just from England, from Europe. So uh, it would make sense to me if that's why he was traveling to America. Um, and you know, he's been followed by this Ministry of Magic uh, for some other reason. The other one is that uh, we do see a scene of him kind of crawling out of a suitcase in what looks much like a courtroom, actually. Yeah, that was my first thought, is it's kind of like a court setting. So the other option we have is that, yeah, he's, he's left England for that reason, you know, for, for some reason. But is he in court because he's let these animals, these creatures, go in America? You know, he's made an, an international incident and danger... Or is that beforehand, and that's why he goes to America? My, my impression is it's in America. Yeah. Um, that's just uh, it's sort of speculation. I don't have any hard evidence based off that. But just watching the trailer, something like, oh, he goes to America, he lets them loose, chaos ensues, or drama ensues, as fans of the podcast might recognise. Um, and then, like, that, he gets brought to trial and probably needs to 
capture them as part of his like court settlement or something. And yeah, that definitely makes sense. But also brings up what I was saying before that I'm excited. We don't know. Mm. First Harry Potter movie, we don't know yeah. why and, what's and, happening. And that's good. Like, I mean, obviously it's fun going in and sort of seeing how they're going to translate this book, but we're going in with no real expectations of the story itself. Yeah. And uh, that is something when you are adapting uh, a movie from previous material, as good as the movie might be, when you're basing it off what you've already consumed, it can affect your expectations. Um, sort of going from one of my beloved properties, Scott Pilgrim, if you compare the movie to the comics, uh, yes, there's some very, very similar things right down from like scene to scene, cut to cut. Um, but at the same time, some of the storylines get like whole sides, uh, character arcs get just decimated in in obviously trying to tell a streamlined story. Trying to we, skip over some of those. To yeah, keep and the characters kind of lost a lot of development as a result. And we saw the exact same thing in the Harry Potter movies. Yeah, um, no, that, yeah. Uh, and it makes sense as we've said, but yeah, it's still frustrating for a fan. And it's kind of funny for me that you're saying so much got cut from the books because when I first tried to read the Scott Pilgrim books, I found it was literally panel for panel, shot for shot, mm. the first book that is the movie. Um, and so I kind of stopped reading. I was like, I've seen this movie. This is getting really boring reading a, a thing I've already seen. Uh, and then you told me that later on, it changes and, and we get a lot more into each character so I actually still have your copies of those books yes you do totally gonna get those back to you because I actually do want to reread them yeah so do I I want to read them for the first time <laughs> I, I haven't finished that but uh, yeah I've, I've started to get into some mm. some different changes now so uh, yeah that'll be good yeah Back, back on to Harry Potter, though. Back to Harry Potter. Uh, a few other things we get to see throughout this trailer that uh, tie it into the Harry Potter world. We see, not obviously, we see a whole heap of fantastic creatures throughout this and, and ones that we've never seen before. So we'll get, you know, a nice little... Some we have. Uh, I'm pretty sure we've got a hippogriff at yeah. one point. Uh, and I'm also fairly certain I saw a goblin appear many times. Yeah. Uh, so, and Henny's looks like the goblins from Gringotts. He looks like the Harry Potter kind of goblin. And he gets punched in the face at one point by Dan Bogle. Do you know his character's name in this? Uh, yes, I do, actually. His name is Jacob Kowalski. Jacob Kowalski? Yes. Sounds like he's going to be making movies. Well, I mean, he is making... I mean, like, making them, not being in... You know what I mean. Yeah, you're being racist. What? I wasn't... <laughs> oh, wow, I was. I didn't even realise I was. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Moving on from that uh, spat of racism there. You know, most people won't even know why that was... Our, our, our listeners are quite smart. They'll recognise it. Are you seriously trying to like... So you insult our listeners and then you're like, oh, I'm just kidding. They I insult them because I love them. All of you guys. Thank you. I love you. Thank you for listening to us. If you still are. Yeah, they're going to stop listening to us now. Yeah, they have better things to do. Uh, what I find quite fascinating with this uh, is the timing of the release of this movie. Because you look at sort of, it's been pretty much five years since Deathly Hallows Part 2 came out. And I think that's a really good sort of space of time. Oh, I'm sorry. I need a second to... Five years? Mm, came out in 2011. Wow, that went really... Yeah, okay. That's yeah. We have not seen a movie for five years. Yeah, Harry Potter. That actually took me by surprise. I'm supposed to be prepared for this stuff. <laughs> this is your this is your zone. I feel like every time we do this podcast, I'm finding out. I'm learning information. Anyway, so much to learn. So much to learn. Yeah, T I L. Today I learned. Um, but yeah, so the last movie came out in 2011, that's sort of that five year gap. I think that's really good, sort of like as far as timing goes, because it's long enough that people have sort of 
they've enjoyed Harry Potter, they enjoyed the series, and they start to think, yeah, I want a bit more, you know, need something new. So it's long enough that you start to build that up, and it's going to be an organic sort of fascination over this movie. Whereas if they release it like two, three years after, people are like, oh, yeah, they're trying to cash in on the Harry Potter brand and sort of the fame of it but this feels a bit more organic and yeah, obviously they're starting a new franchise in a way uh, but it doesn't feel like they're just trying to cash in but they just want to build upon this fantastical world and really the harry potter world is one of the best we've had in recent decades really and one of the most immersive i mean it really is a world where everything is covered and, mm. and that's why i'm so excited to see what the american side you know how uh, what differences we have to england because i mean england america in real life quite big changes socially and culturally and the way that you know things things are done and, and progressed over time you would assume the same happened in the wizarding world so some of those differences will be really interesting and now that i've found out it's been five years since the last one i, I agree this is some really good timing because for people that are kind of interested kind of enjoyed them they've probably now been like oh it's been long enough rewatched them and mm. um, people like myself you know big fans i have rewatched them uh, tw- twice i think fully uh, and one of those was quite recent, actually. I, I recently, before I even realised this movie was coming out, I rewatched the the series. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that this timing is quite good to get people kind of started to be interested, but not too recent that they're like seen there, don't care, like seen it, don't care. Yeah, you're gonna get in the hardcore fans who would have gone to see this if it came out the day after Deathly Hallows Part Two. But more importantly, you're getting those kind of casual fans who I guess I kind of fit into, where it's been long enough that you're kind of like, yeah, Harry Potter was good. I I could do with a bit more of it. Oh, there's a movie coming out. I'll watch it. Did and, you rewatch the movies over the last five years? Uh, over the yeah, over the last five years, I have watched it. Like I do quite enjoy the Harry Potter universe, but it's the kind of thing I'd sort of if I'm flicking on TV, the Harry Potter movie. Oh yeah, I watch. And they're actually really rewatchable in that sort of context. Um, the other thing I find uh, with rewatching the movies is the earlier ones are very difficult to rewatch, <laughs> uh, and and I think that also has to do with the way that the books were written, the way the movies are written. That you know, being an adult myself now, I pretend that I am anyway. I still act like a child, but I find the later the later books, later movies are a little bit darker, a little bit more adult. Based, you know, they're, they're really focused at that age group. Was the younger ones when they were younger, 11, 12, uh, they were innocent, you know, they, they were learning things and, and kind of come across it. And we don't, I guess, learn as much about the world of Harry Potter, which is interesting because we're literally getting bang, this is the world, this is the world uh, after the first one. You know, the first one obviously introduces everything, but uh, rewatchability, those later ones are more based on adults. And I'm going to be very interested to see this movie Fantastic Beasts and where to find them if it is a very if they I mean it's rated R you know so they, obviously it's not going to be child friendly no it's not but <laughs> <laughs> just in case people are listening it's just a joke okay yeah it's, it's yeah but uh, <laughs> the graphic sex are going to be showing it could throw off some young kids I but... mean it's Fantastic Bestiality and where to find it so you've got <laughs> and Trent's gone where to find it Pornhub he was he was not expecting that. No, no. I, I, do you ever expect bestiality? I do. Like, oh. five o'clock every Saturday. Okay. <clears throat> so, I'll be very interested to see if this movie is, yeah, kind of based it at the adults for, with some more serious issues, or if it is a very on-the-surface movie, you know, you, you just get what you see, and you don't really have to look into the politics version, because the children don't look into the politics side, and, and that's going to be a big <laughs> Nobody told George Lucas that with episode one. <laughs> but uh, it seems like that's going to be important in this one. It's literally going to be international incident where he's let out these, these beasts and law from 
you would from England where they've sent um, who I assume is an aura or something uh, Colin Farrell's character yeah he's an aura he's chasing ah, there you go he's chasing after Newt's commander uh, but we've also got the American government and uh, and so some of those international relations wherein Colin Farrell's character may be overstepping his uh, authority within another country could be explored uh, or it could just be straight up base value this is what's happening some cheap laughs some amazing effects and action well it's sort of funny when i was watching the first couple of trailers uh in preparation for this particular preview um it did i felt like the trailers had a fairly light sort of fun vibe to them and then like the last trailer which was released i think a month ago sort of classified as the final trailer um it actually was surprisingly dark in comparison yeah. to the rest like i mean it's not we're not talking like the dark night levels of darkness um but it does feel like it's going to have a bit more of that kind of adult level probably half blood prince levels of uh, you know maturity i guess which would probably make sense because most of the people who have read through the harry potter series are going to be a certain age now and if they can ac- accept what we've seen in half blood prince uh, and definitely hallows theoretically they should be accept sort of a similar level of darkness in this particular setting while you were saying that i actually got up here the family tree you're telling uh, me you weren't listening to me i was totally listening to you i just said i repeated what you said back to you to prove that i was listening uh, so I have found out Luna Lovegood's husband's name, uh, who is Trent Rolf. <laughs> His name is Rolf. Uh, so we'll go a little bit further back. So we've got Newt Scamander, who is uh, Luna Lovegood's grandfather-in-law, uh, and and here we actually have uh, Paul Pentina, who is uh, pretty important here. We've got spoilers her in ahead. This movie. We have her in this movie as another character who we haven't actually addressed yet. But, uh, Man, yeah. that's actually a massive spoiler when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, I didn't actually think about that. But hey, <laughs> spoiler, they get Spoiler alert, too late. It's going to be pretty obvious, I think, through this and even through the Spoiler alert, Snape kills... <laughs> I actually... No, I know someone that actually had that spoiled for them. Uh, so my friend Jason was saying that just before going in to see Half-Blood Prince, where, spoiler alert, Dumbledore gets killed, someone actually said before walking, like, walking in... To Jason, who has never read the books and just started watching the movies, and that's why he didn't read the books, because he's like, I've started this, I'm going to finish mm. this, said, I'm really interested to see how they do Snape killing Dumbledore at the end of this film. He was so annoyed, because the whole film had just been ruined. Yeah, and that's uh, the big moment in that. So if you're annoyed at me for ruining the fact that Paul Mantina and uh, Newt are going to get together, grow up, look at the damn thing, it's pretty damn obvious she's the love interest. But... Uh, now, I'm done insulting our, our audience because you, you get them in, I had to give it a go. It was fun, actually. I enjoyed doing that. I'm going to do it more. Uh, so, <laughs> Rolf Scamander and Luna Lovegood, luckily this isn't a, a spoiler for this movie, so I can keep going here. They have Could be two a spoiler sons for the called Lorcan and, <laughs> and Lysander, uh, which I thought was kind of interesting because I just thought of Lycan through the whole thing, mm. which was kind of human-animal hybrid, which is kind of interesting. Which if, exists in the Harry Potter world. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, I found that out because it was starting to bug me out that I couldn't remember Rolf's name. Uh, and, and oddly enough, Lorcan and Lysander I did remember, but couldn't remember their father's name, so I didn't want to say that one. Um, but, uh, yeah, Porpentina is uh, spoiled for you now. Sorry. Yeah, the, the whole movie's ruined. I'm not going to go see it. Yeah, don't go see it now. No. In fact, listen to this, and then don't go see it. Yeah. And we won't do a review on it in two weeks' time. Totally not. There's no point in doing a, a spoiler talk version. No. I have to say spoiler <laughs> There's talk. There's no point in doing a spoiler talk version because we've already spoiler talked. We've already spoiled it, exactly. Uh, just for our listeners, Trent gets very annoyed if I don't say spoiler talk because it's uh, 
our branding of one up culture. So, uh, I spoiler talk coming, guys. Yeah, in two he's, weeks time. He's death staring at me. This is this is some serious stuff, and now he's just giving me the creepiest happy smile. Can we get back to Harry Potter now, please? Um, so this is sort of we're, we're sort of bringing this particular episode to a close. <laughs> We've been bringing it to a close for the past thirty minutes, basically. Um, but one thing I did want to mention, which I thought was really cool, is. If you go onto Google Maps and you search in the right areas in America, they've actually included some of the places in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, which I love because it's really encouraging an aspect which I studied in uh, university called media tourism, where you actually go to certain destinations and you know whether you're taking photos or interacting with the place where these films or books were sort of taken from. And I yeah I'm, I love that they're willing to sort of go out of their way. It's something they didn't have to do, but it's a great little piece of marketing and could potentially really push sort of fans to explore a bit more. Yeah, no, I really I didn't know about this until you told me uh, just before this uh, podcast that I'm so glad you included because it, it is a fantastic uh, little thing for them to do. Because it's actually, something I know I've done myself in the past when I've gone traveling. Like I've made a point of trying to find places that have actually I've seen in media. And later on, I've sort of seen, like, I was watching Croco's Basketball and just sort of casually watching, and I sort of had to pause at one point and go, hang on, I recognise those kind of owl hedges that are yeah, in the, the background. Station. It's like, Ikebukuro train station. Yeah. And it's, like, it's cool that they kind of allude to these places, both really in cool. fictional and real world. And I kind of like that you and I are lucky enough that we have one in our home state mm. of Tasmania, Australia. Uh, and it's an anime one, uh, and I've literally gone and checked it out. I didn't even watch the anime. I literally watched this anime because this location was in my home state. And that is the uh, the Ross Bakery here in Tasmania, yep. Australia, is uh, the, the inspiration for the bakery in Kiki's Delivery Service. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought that was that was pretty cool. Shout out to Craig Norris who's written like a thesis and like articles on it that's been published in academically. So Yeah, we would definitely uh, like to send you guys that way because those are some pretty fantastic articles uh, and in-depth and uh, he's an okay guy i guess i I think it's pretty sweet yeah Yeah. he helped me get to japan so double thumbs up double thumbs Um, up for that and and also sending people in certain directions uh how how is the food at the ross bakery good they might go after that glowing recommendation i didn't eat the food (laughs) at the ross bakery okay i don't know what their food is you were just there dressed up as a kiki well so yeah, I guess right. going you know going into this final sort of final thoughts about the movie, what I am curious to hear from you, uh, because again you're more of a Harry Potter fan than me, but I think we can both agree that this has kind of become one of the true modern classics, and uh, yeah, we're going to read it to our kids if we ha- ever have kids, uh, we're going to read it to our grandkids if we ever have grandkids, and it's that that kind of thing that's going to continue on. So I think you know 40, 50 years down the track, Harry Potter will still be relevant. Do you agree with that? I do, actually. Yep. Uh, I, and very much I'm going to, once again, bring it to Star Wars because that is, to me, the most successful franchise ever and is going to live longer on than most franchises. So I think it's, it's a good one to, to base it off. And, and there are a lot of similarities. And one of them is in the soundtrack, I've got to admit. Uh, those orchestral soundtracks just don't seem to go out of fashion. So I think on the soundtrack basis, I mean, a good orchestral track is going to last. And... I think we all remember the Harry Potter theme. It's a pretty memorable tune. Yeah, it, I think it is going to stick around because I mean, think about... It was literally 16 years ago that that first movie came out and it has been relevant for the past 11 years. Six years, sorry. And then, because we're going into 2017 now, uh, and then five years, and I didn't even realise we'd gone five years without a Harry Potter film. That's how relevant I still felt it was. Uh, I recently went down to a store at, 
our capital here, Hobart. Uh, and there was a whole section of Harry Potter merchandise uh, in Zing Gaming. Uh, and I thought, wow, still relevant. They're still making all of this merchandise because it's still selling. And I think as long as it's selling, it's going to be relevant. And as long as people are interested, it's going to be relevant. Uh, so they've got five movies coming. This could be a, a very long-lived franchise. But here's my sort of second sort of follow-on question that. You know, we've established uh-huh. that we think it's a long-running uh, series that's going to keep going on for decades. How long until they remake the original movies? Because it's not like Star Wars, where obviously this, the original Star Wars movies haven't been remade, uh, unless you count Force Awakens. Ha ha ha! But with Harry Potter, it's based off an existing kind of medium, which was the books. And so if you wanted to remake it, you can be remaking it off the books. How long do you think until they decide, young Harry, young Hermione, that needs to change? No, they're not. You don't I think, think they're the going to? The books will be irrelevant by the time that happens. and it'll Books will be irrelevant? Yep. So if they're remaking it, they will be remaking the movies. I'm talking this is a long time in the future yeah. I'm thinking um, because I just don't see them remaking these movies within my lifetime uh, and most likely within the lifetime of my child because they've seen it and they have read it I just don't see it happening I can't see them remaking these films it's a I, big call but... I, I think they will I mean you look at the the track record of things getting remade and you said it yourself the first couple of movies are a little bit tougher to watch at times and look part of that is to do and this is no offence to you know the guys behind it because they were they did end up becoming fantastic actors and actresses but those first few movies are a little tough to get to in the acting they're very sort of basic you know following along very simple directions um i feel potentially 30 years we'll get harry potter and the philosopher's stone remade so yeah I, I just think they'll make a new story i think the harry potter world is too adaptable to creating brand new stories about brand new wizards i think if we do get a remake of the harry potter uh we're going to get new characters and we might get reintroduced at hogwarts uh, but i don't think we're going to get a remake of harry potter ron and hermione um because i yeah i just think this area this this series is too open to new stories as we are seeing right now with newt scamander who is a pretty minor character in in the series really i mean he wrote a book we get a couple references to his life through the books uh, so I yeah just I'm hoping as well that we keep getting new content. It'll be interesting to see either way. Um, and I guess you know, future future us can listen back to this podcast in thirty forty years. And Trent and, can laugh at me when they're remaking the pot the those yeah. sorcerer stories. I, I just think there'd whatever. be too much money to be made in thirty years. Like the technology for movie making is going to be something that we can't even imagine and i think they're going to get to the point where you know what would work really well with this new 3d virtual reality kind of movie making harry potter and i think they're going to remake it like that although in saying that by then they might also have the technology to just transplant all the original actors into this kind of movie world as well um but yeah i feel like we will get a remake of it at some point I wouldn't be disappointed if we do the other thing while we're on the subject of harry potter movies in the future uh, is kind of something we're starting to see now as well. Uh, these effects are going to get incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen it in the trailer with streets getting destroyed, uh, and, and it's kind of become more of a mainstay in today's films, and not so much a reliance as it was when these effects started to come out. We had a lot of films coming out that were really relying on their special effects, and I think now special effects are kind of in every movie, uh, almost. I mean, we, have, we still have a few that don't. But most of your mainstream movies do, and I think in the future, that's going to just, it's going to be crazy. Some of the things that we, we're going to be able to do with the Harry Potter universe are going to be incredible. And, and this is one of the few 
uh, things I have an issue with that I didn't like through the Harry Potter movies, uh, and that is the visual opportunities that they had to make these amazing scenes they didn't take. A lot of the fighting through the Harry Potter series is two people pointing and a burst of light going at them. And one of my favourite things, like my favourite fights, is uh, between Voldemort and uh, Dumbledore in the Ministry of Magic. And one of my favourite... Order things, of the Phoenix? Yes. Uh, where, yeah, yeah. Uh, where they go for the, the uh, prophecy. Just establishing for people out, to follow. Yeah, and on the way out, those two have their, their big fight. And in the books as well, uh, especially uh, with you know, on the island where uh, Dumbledore has to kind of... I don't want to get too much into it, but with the, when they're going for the locket and it's the bottom of a basin and, and Dumbledore's going crazy. He has to get drunk. fire going everywhere. These were some of the best scenes visually in my mind while reading, and I really wanted to see that displayed on the screen, and, and there were a lot of times I was quite disappointed, um, and you know, we didn't get a lot of that. So I'm, I'm, that's what I'm hoping for, that in our future Harry Potter films, we get more of those visual effects that the, the spells can be shown so very, very potently, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm definitely excited for the possibilities of that, and especially when you're dealing with a fantasy world where really all bets are off in a lot of ways. You can do so much that you can't do with a typical action movie that's meant to be set on in our current well, sort of world. Well, much like we were saying with Doctor Strange in our most recent review, please go back and watch that one, uh, but we were worried that they were going to try and rely on, on the visual effects, and I mean, there was one scene wherein there was a fight scene, they were too close and you couldn't see any of the visual effects, which... I'm also hoping they don't do, but I don't see that happening. That was kind of a strange inclusion in that movie, actually. Uh, Why? Why with the Of all the synonyms you could use. We're in a new week as well. We're not even talking about it. I'm making Doctor Strange puns. But I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely hoping to see them kind of not, not rely on, but utilise the visual effects and the budget they've got because that's the thing. This is, this is a big budget film. Hmm. So. That, that's actually one of the reasons why I don't mind so much if the effects are maybe a little underdone compared to what we imagine. Because um, the danger is whenever you use a lot of special effects is it becomes the movie becomes reliant on a sort of a bit of a crutch it's a to hide act. sort of story and dialogue and character building. And that's something we've sort of those instances like harry versus voldemort where it is literally just a wand wand red green almost just like a, a boring lightsaber fight in a lot of ways um i didn't mind that because the focus wasn't on so much the fight and the effects but it was on the story and i'm thinking back to goblet of fire when um voldemort and harry first sort of face off and his mum and his dad kind of appear and then um cedric sort of appears in his mind and they're all there kind of helping him um you're not focusing on the effects you're focusing on the moment in the character building and the story which that fight was built around i i agree uh and I completely agree but in the books that was it it was just light light yeah um what annoyed me was the fights that were interesting in the book that had you know shapes and and this mm. going at them and it was taken away as just stupefy 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 yeah um I, I do agree with with your point on on that fight. I think just the the boring lightsaber show, as you as you put it. I think that yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, I mean, there. I'm just sort of picking one particular scene, and again, yeah. I couldn't really remember what scenes had the oh, more. There, there are a couple scenes yeah. like that where it, yeah, it does work. You're right. The the very basic fighting does work. Uh, one of the scenes I, I I felt it didn't was uh, in once again Order of the Phoenix, where they're fighting a lot of people. The only effect we get is people apparating and turning into smoke and disapparating, turning zipping around. Um, there's a lot of stupefying, not a lot of different spells. And in a Harry Potter world where there is all of these amazing spells, they keep just sticking to one that isn't very effective. I mean, honestly, Petrificus Totalis is far more useful 
honestly, to me, that is like one of the best fighting. You know, imagine doing that song at fourth Cliff Dead. They do it to Neville Longbottom in the very first film, and it gets used one more time in the Deathly Hallows. I think that spell was underutilized and super easy to use. And the reason it was underutilized is because it wasn't visually interesting. Hmm. And I think that's the balancing act they need to work out. That although, yeah, excellent spell, and it would be good to see different wizards using all these different spells, so you honestly don't know what's coming. Because I think in that fight, everyone's going to throw stupid by. I'm just going to protect her, protect her. All these shields going everywhere, no, nothing's going to hit you, who cares? If you don't know what spell's coming, if there's lots of different variety, it makes it a little bit more interesting. But I would like to see some inclusions of spells like that that aren't necessarily very visually interesting. But you can have such a, a, a good scene, a drama scene, with two people, you know, with an, someone evil, you know, standing over the good guy who's been petrified. He's just sitting there, has to listen. That could be a very interesting thing. So it's a balancing act of when to use effects and when not to. Uh, that, those, that's my only real worry with this film is uh, them trying to get the balance of effects right. I mean, just based off the trailers, it looks like it's not necessarily going to be more effects heavy. And again, this could just be the way the trailers have been sort of presented because they want to get you into the cinemas. It does look like it's going to have more fantastical effects. What I'm saying is it looks like they're going to delve into, I guess, the more impressive side of the visual effects again i think they've got a bigger budget uh they can perhaps be a bit more experimental with it as well um it's hard to say without having seen the movie we'll no doubt discuss it in two weeks time with our spoiler talk edition um but it feels like they might get a bit more grandiose in their style um and then it just comes down to what the wizards themselves are throwing whether they just throw a bunch of stupefies which i think part of the reason why they did perhaps over rely on stupefy is because it was just simple shorthand and as you kind of said um with other spells people wouldn't the audience wouldn't know what to expect by that very same token they knew if they say stupefy the audience knows what's happening why it's dangerous whereas if they're throwing out all this other stuff they might be like well, what's that? What's that do? Why should we be scared of that? So there's also, um, and I'm aware that Snape invented it, so that explains a little bit, but uh, why is Sectum Sempora never ever used again? For those that don't know, that's where your opponent gets hung upside down by their ankles and slashed across the chest. Uh, if Snape really wanted to prove to Voldemort that he was uh, on his side, that's such a brutal spell. That hey guys, done. check out this spell. Yeah, I mean, and you can't use every spell, but there are some like that one which I felt would have really fit a character. And it's a brutal-looking spell that I could definitely see Death Eaters using uh, instead of Stupefy, which is harmless. By definition, it is harmless. You'd and almost say it was rather stupid. It was pretty stupid, yeah. Uh, and yeah, there's little things like that. It's just a little qualm I had wherein I felt that the Death Eaters who have no problems using the unforgivable curses are using literally you know, setting their wands to stun. Uh, it, it surprised me. You know, why, why aren't they just trying to kill yeah. Uh But you know, that's, that's a personal thing. A lot of people had absolutely no issue with the fact that they used to fight for your very reasons. It, it makes sense. It, it comes audience, down it to, I guess, uh, a world-building versus movie-building kind of challenge. And it's something that comes up a lot. Sort of how much do you do to kind of show what the world is capable of while potentially losing people in the audience. You do kind of have to, especially for a big budget Hollywood movie, appeal to the lowest common denominator. Yeah. Also, the stupefy thing wasn't isn't based in the movies at all. It was based in the books. So oh, that go. is why that they, everyone does say stupefy. And it was a question I asked while reading the books. Ah, why sorry. are the... No, no, I definitely did bring it over to the movies as well. But I originally brought this, I found this out in the books uh, and it was 
you know, the, the movies didn't do it because the books didn't, and I understand that. But in the books, it didn't make sense to me either. Mm. Um, and yeah, when you go to a movie, it, it visually makes sense to me that you would change them to something more interesting. But they're sticking to the books. Can't really complain with that. Most fans are going to get annoyed if they didn't stick yeah. to the books. So I don't really hold that against the series, but it's just a little niggling thing for me that I would have liked to see some more brutality from the Death Eaters. Let's get our R-rated Harry Potter movie. Let's do it. Let's have this happening. So that pretty much brings us to the end of Fantastic Beasts and where to find us, the preview uh, episode. As we sort of mentioned, in two weeks, I will be doing a spoiler talk. In two weeks' time, when we're talking about it, are you expecting to have positive things to say? I'm expecting to have positive things to say, most definitely. Wonderful. Well, that uh, pretty much makes two of us in that respect. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think right now we just have to go down to a fantastic podcast and where to find us. Yeah. So to find these fantastic podcasts, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at OneUpCulture and also on the WordPress page. Just Google OneUpCulture. You should be able to find us there as well. So I've been Trent. I have been Jared. Thank you for listening. And that is game over. <laughs>